Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Beginning downtown, Peckle Park, a new beginning, let's go. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Knocking them down. Baby says she wanna go to the game. To the game. Taught her how to say Padre gang. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Knocking them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of the homies holler Padre gang. Yeah, that And good day, everybody. Welcome to episode 164 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. I'm your host, Ben Fadden. Today with a special guest, former San Diego Padre, Heath Bell, one of my favorites growing up. Heath, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. I really want to be on the podcast 169. 164 (laughs) works. (laughs) All right. Well, just to start off here, before we get started, I actually, so I went to Rolando Little League uh, and you we're at the, uh, what was it, the first day of the lower field. They were It was like the opening day of the field that they had created. And you, I think you threw out the first pitch and stuff. And my mom, she couldn't find the picture of you actually holding me up above, uh, over the fence. And I, I think uh, you went around the field with me or something, but she didn't have a picture of that. But I do have this poster that I've had since like I was a kid of you, if you could see it. There That's it is. Pretty- it's a pretty cold poster. I got one of those too. <laughs> yeah. So I've had that in my room for a long time now. Um, so the, I'm the excited. Reason, the reason your mom can't find the picture is because they actually had cameras instead of phones. Exactly. You know? so exactly. It's in a drawer somewhere. Exactly. I figure that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's just, let's just get started then. Uh, this episode is brought to you by GaglerandBros.com or GaglerandBros Famous Cheesesteaks and Subs, GaglerandBros.com. To be their entire menu, they're in, located inside Petco Park, uh, and there are two locations, Mission Gorge and in Point. Great cheesesteaks and garlic fries. Uh, all right, let's I get started here. Steak right now. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're playing in Philly today. Um, all right, the Padres do sit at 22-13 and 13, heading into tonight's game. They're obviously without Tatis. Just thoughts overall where the team is right now. There's been some games where probably should have won those games, but that's going to happen throughout the season. So do you like where they're at right now? I like where the Padres are at right now because when you're in first place 
every team is trying to, you know, knock you down. When you're in second, kind of lying in the weeds, it's a little bit easier. You're just trying to win games and you can kind of lie in the weeds, as I say. And, you know, at the right time, you know, like when Tatis comes back, it's almost going to be like, you know, the trade dead. It's not going to be the trade deadline, but it's almost going to be like you just traded for somebody. And with his um, talent and him going out there and just playing, like we all know he can play, it's going to give a good boost for the Padres and, you know, be a chance to take over the Dodgers for first place. What do you think of Manny right now? You know, front runner and MVP, and then especially Hawes coming you know, back strong. There's obviously been all the trade talks and all that, but it seems like Bo Mel and the coaching staff has really made it known that they want him there and whatever the front office is thinking, that's they're veteran guys and they're doing what they normally do. And I know everybody was on Eric for the last couple of years, whatnot. And I think he, they finally got coaches that they can relate to and not first year coaches. And I think Bob Melvin and his coaching staff with Matt Williams there is just tremendous where they they understand what veterans, because they were there, they've been in the battles before. And um, those guys are just tearing up. Now, if we can get our other guys to bat like 250, I, the Padres would probably be the best team in baseball right now, because think about it. We only have two guys. I mean, they're batting, you know, mid 300s, close to 400 sometimes if they have a good game. And then the rest of our team, is batting, you know, like low 200s or 190. I mean, Profar is singly hand one, um, two or three games all by himself defensively. And and the game he goes off on offense, he has a major defense time. Kim has looked into exactly what we thought he could be if a fill-in role um, went for Tatis. And he's, you know, being consistent around the, you know, 240 mark. But um it's just one of those things. We need to get Conworth start hitting. We need to get Will Myers. It's nice to see him back in the lineup. Um, we just need some help for our other guys, and I think the Padres will be just fine. Do you think they're going to be able to take down the Dodgers or have a good chance at taking them down for the first time since 2006, I want to say, uh, in the division? Well, you know, I think there's a chance. There really is. I mean, the Dodgers are a stellar team this year. The only thing is what I would love to see happen is the Padres get in, you know, second place, be that wild card or whatnot. Um, and then in the playoffs, take them down. Um, right. I think they can do that. Um, I, we've definitely have start more better starting pitching this year than we've had in the previous years. Bullpen's been a little shaky, but the only thing I think to clean up the bullpen a little bit is let's define roles. Let's have a seventh inning, an eighth inning, and a ninth inning guy. Let's have one or two guys in when we're down by one. And then when we're up by four runs or we're down by, you know, three or four runs, we have those guys that pitch. Um, let's just not go with the hot hand that seems like everybody's doing nowadays. Um, let's just define roles. And I really think the bullpen will shine. And as soon as they kind of define the roles with everybody and say, you're, you're this guy, you're that guy, you're this guy. So you can mentally prepare yourself every game and see how the game's dictating and you can get ready or not get ready. Uh-huh. We'll get to the bullpen in a little bit. Uh, with the rest of the National League West, I mean, the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, going into this year, they weren't expected to, you know, contend at all. They've gotten off to good starts, you know, considering their standards and where they're at right now, uh, or at least going into the season, their expectations weren't playoffs, right? Um, mm -hmm. Do you think that it's going to be a three-team race or that the Rockies or the Diamondbacks, one of those teams can be afloat 
for you know at least through the trade deadline. Um, I don't know if the Diamondbacks will. I think the Rockies have a good chance of um, kind of staying lying in the weeds, you know, with the Giants and the Padres and the, and the Dodgers. They're the only team that's kind of like a surprise team this year. The Giants were a surprise, but I think everybody kind of understands the the Giants are a pretty solid team, so they're going to be in the hunt here and there. The Rockies are the best, biggest surprise of everybody, but I think um, those guys up in Colorado are just starting to figure out how to win on the road and win at home. So it'll be interesting to see, do they make a trade? What do they do at the trade deadline? Because they're definitely going to need something else to get them to that playoff, to get them to the second or, you know, you know, I don't say first place because I feel like that's going to be the Padres or Dodgers. But yeah. um, anyway, but I think they, they're going to need one more or two more guys to kind of stay in it. But I think they're the biggest surprise so far. Mm. Now we can get to the bullpen. So Taylor Rogers, obviously he's just – put his name on that long list of, you know, Padres closers that you're on uh, that have pitched well, you know, and they, the closer hasn't really been the issue here. It's been getting from the starter to the closer, especially as of late, you know, Steven Wilson, Robert Suarez, I think they have ERAs over four now. Uh, Wilson, obviously it's his first year. There's going to be ups and downs. I know you know that. What, what my question to you is, are you concerned with them and when someone or when you were struggling or a teammate was struggling, was there something different that you tried to do to get out of that funk? You know, the best thing is um, they always say in, in a bullpen, you got to have a short memory. You, um, you got to have a long memory as in remember what you did wrong, but also have a short memory because you got to forget about what you did wrong. Um, really. I just, I, I like the guys in the bullpen. I really do. Even, you know, it, it, it's just, I'm all about defining a role. Like if you could say, Hey, pitcher a or pitcher B or whoever you want to go, I don't want to say names. Cause then all of a sudden I'll be linked to it, but um, you're our seventh inning guy. Now our seventh inning guy is not going to be perfect. You know, I remember back in the days of Clay Meredith and Scott Linebrink, they had, you know, like a high two or a three, sometimes a four ERA, but then they get into these stretches where they were just dominating for a month and their ERA would jump down to the low twos or in the ones, but they were our eighth inning guy. They were our seventh inning guy. And when I first came to the Padres, I was our sixth inning guy and I kind of moved my way up. So I just really feel like they'll, they'll be better if we could define and say, Hey, you're going to be our seventh inning guy. So anytime we're three runs or really three to four runs up or, or less, or it's a tie ball game, you're going in the game. Now, if it's three days in a row, fine. But that fourth day, you can have a day off or two days off. And then, you know, I mean, two days in a row and then one, one day off just depends how they go. But um, if you really define the roles, because then here's the thing, when I was in the sixth inning, I mean, I was the sixth inning guy when I was in San Diego when I first came over in 07. They told me that. And they say, um, Clay Maris is our seventh, Scott Linebrink's our eighth, and Trevor Hoffman's our ninth. So I would watch the game. And if we were down by three runs or something in the fifth inning, I kind of knew I wasn't going in the game. But if we were getting a rally, I'd mentally prepare myself, okay, now there's a chance for me to go in the game. And when we got past the sixth inning, and it's the seventh inning now, all of a sudden it's like, okay, I'm probably not going in the game. Mentally, I can whatever, but if we tie it in the ninth inning and we're going extras, then all of a sudden mentally I get back into it. So, but it's hard. It's harder in the bullpen if you're just down there going, okay, 
I think I'm going to go in the seventh inning. Seventh inning comes along, phone rings, and somebody else goes in. Then maybe I got the next inning. Next, So now you're getting up mentally, and then you're going down because you're disappointed. You're mentally up, trying to focus, and you're disappointed, where if you define the roles, you kind of know where you're going to be. Like Trevor Hoffman and I knew in the ninth inning, we were preparing ourselves from the seventh, eighth inning on, mm-hmm. you know, mentally preparing ourselves. So the sixth inning guy mentally prepares himself in the fourth inning and the fifth and gets ready. So it's just one of those things that if he needs to be called upon, he's ready. But like, say the starter ends up going six innings, then it's the seventh inning guy. He mentally prepared himself in the fifth, sixth, and then if the starter's not going to go the seventh, the sixth inning guy knows, okay, I'm down that day. The seventh inning guy comes in, where if he has an off day, then the sixth inning guy moved to the seventh inning role. I just really think, if we could define the roles, I think the bullpen would be stellar, like Padres have known in the last couple of years. Um, I don't know why they're not necessarily doing that. Maybe because the new, you know, analytics part that I'm not a big fan of. But um, I just think if you define the guys a little bit more, I think they'll understand their role, and I think they'll do a great job. Here's what I would say to that: is I understand that point, and I, I like that point. But my question to that is do they have a bullpen right now that actually would fit having defined roles? Like, because right now you have Gore and Nick Martinez probably in the bullpen this series. That changes some things. Then you have Chris Matt, who was a long man to start this year, and he was last year, but then he saw him in the ninth and 10th inning on Sunday. And it seems like he's going to get some more higher leverage spots, at least from what we're seeing. And then you have Steven Wilson's who's a rookie. And so do you, do you have a defined role there? And Luis Garcia and Robert Suarez, they're both – I get what you're saying with the defined roles that could help them, but they're both up and down. And I don't know if it's their best interest right now to say, okay, Luis Garcia, you're pitching the eighth inning here. And then Roberts, but what do you do, you know, the rest there, you know, sixth, seventh inning, stuff like that. Like I understand that point, but it feels like the lack of experience with Wilson and then Chris Matt not pitching in the high leverage situation, it feels like it would be hard to have those defined roles right now. And then you take into account that you have Castillo and Baez and Morajone coming back later this year uh, and Pomerantz, hopefully. So then you're going to put them into the bullpen. So that, that would be my only question to that. Well, it's, it's like Gore. He's a great starter. He needs to be a starter. You know, it usually if you go to the bullpen, it's because, well, we need a long inning guy. And this is the reason you need to come out of spring training with defined roles, because, you know, if your eighth inning guy doesn't have it, your seventh inning guy moves up and maybe your eighth inning guy takes a break or he becomes the mop up guy, as you say, um, as we say in the bullpen, where it's very defined role, as in like we're down by one or two, you're going to go out there and pitch where you're still good, but you just don't have it for what reason. And this is what happens when you, you can have young guys be in a six-inning role or seventh-inning role and be a meaningful role, and it's not that meaningful, but it really is to bridge that gap from the starter to your late two-inning guys. But if you don't start spring training off with the fine roles and just go with the hot hand, this is the mix that we have. We right. have a long guy that has been in you know close ball games at the last inning. Well, usually that doesn't happen unless you know your six, seven, eight, or your seven, eight, nine guy is is shut down and you need him just to fill in for one day. So this is kind of the mess we're in right now. We can't just define people because we didn't define people in the beginning. So now we're kind of in a mess. We're kind of like, 
uh, what's going on. Well, let's forget about, um, you know, like say our young guys. Forget about, well, he's not, he hasn't been experienced. So Trevor Hoff and myself, when I first came up, when we first came up, we weren't experienced, but we figured out how to do it. And we're good pitchers. Guys just figure it out in the bullpen. Like I had a coach once say, bullpen are a bunch of men and starters are a bunch of boys. And the reason because the starters always complain and can't finish anything they start. The bullpen just comes in and with runners on, we don't complain about it. We have to get the job done. Um, so the bullpen it, to have a bullpen mindset is you're just, you're, you're really tough. You know, mm-hmm. you're like, I just feel like they're the toughest guys mentally out of everybody else. And that's why some guys get weeded out real quick because they just mentally are not tough. And some starters can't go to the bullpen because they're just not mentally as tough, but starters can go long longer, but I feel like bullpen guys can go more consecutive days. Right. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think about the three batter minimum? You talk about that mental toughness. I'm sure sometimes when a guy or you, we saw with Lamette, right, there was, there were some times where he just didn't have it and you got to face those three batters. Do you, do you think that's a good thing? I don't like the three batter rule. I don't like a lot of the rules that they're starting to come out with. Um, it's just, it, I think it's bad for baseball. I think, you know, they're, they're always trying to speed up the game, speed up the game, except right. for how about let's just make the game great. You know, let's make the great game fun and exciting, but they're all worried about just speeding it up, speeding it up. So um, I think, I think it'll be fine in the long term. but um, yeah, I don't like the three batter rule just because, you know, it's not, it's not a chess game anymore. It's not about you're going to bring a righty in or to face the righty, a lefty. We're going to pitch hit rolls. It's going to be like, okay, well, you got to face this many guys and this many guys. I mean, it's kind of like Little League again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, with Joe Musgrove moving to the rotation here a little bit, obviously it was like 11 for $88 million, or uh, not 11, 11 million a year, $88 million in total, eight years, uh, for the Musgrove possible extension that was reported by the Padres, or by the Athletic, the Padres offered him that a few weeks ago. That obviously is not going to happen. you got to pay him more than that. How much do you think that Musgrove's going to end up getting if an extension's going to get done with the Padres? I don't know. I mean, guys get a lot of money now, so yeah, way more than uh, than I was ever getting. So, um, you know, it's you know, go out and get as much as you can. I mean, owners would wouldn't pay guys unless they had the money. So, um, I don't know. You know, whatever the number is for him, I just I would love to see Musgrove stay in San Diego for a long time. So. Um, Hopefully we can get a deal done. Because what happens then? If they don't get Musgrove, you have Manaya and Clevenger as free agents. You'd think that they'd have to bring one of those back then. But but then it's like, who would San Diego rather have? I know that the owners can't look at it that way. But I think it's pretty clear just based on pitching right now, if we're talking about it right now, Clevenger, Manaya, or Musgrove, I think Musgrove's the guy you'd rather have just pitching-wise as a starter. So it gets kind of complicated if you don't bring Musgrove back. Like if you bring Musgrove back and Clev and Manaya, you don't bring back. It's like okay, we still got Musgrove. They're, he's the best of the three right now. But yeah, you, you got you definitely know? got to bring one of the three back. Um, yeah. You just got to figure out which one. You don't want to bring. Well, I could. The only guy I could get was this guy. You want to mm-hmm. get the guy that you want, and that's for the front office to talk about. 
as a fan, you just don't want to be like, well, this is the only guy we could have got because whatever reason. Um, you know, I don't know if Musgrove wants, you know, the ceiling. I don't know what the number he's looking for. Um, so, you know, I, I would love to have him back or really one of the three, but I just hope we pick the guy that we want and not just the guy we can end up with. Right. Yeah, I agree. All right. So getting to your career here, kind of more like the second half of the interview. Um, you went three consecutive seasons, obviously, getting 42, at least 42 saves. And one of those seasons was 2011. And I'll share my screen with you here. Obviously, that all-star game was uh, a big moment <laughs> that people remember. Uh, and walk me through your emotions here, obviously, as you're sprinting out. And you could see, I'll play the video here and you can talk about it. You can see the players' reactions on their faces. You know, Yachty, uh, Brandon Well, Phillips, here's the thing. They I, were, they I were dying. Pa- I told Pablo Sandoval that, hey, get everybody out of the way. I'm going to slide. And then when I ran out there, um, Sandoval oh, there's kind an of ad. Pushed, Well, here's the thing. So Bochi, before the game, gave this inspirational speech and said, hey, we wouldn't have won the World Series if we didn't take this game seriously. So then in my head, I'm like, I'm not going to slide. I got to take this game a little seriously. Then I think Prince Fielder hit a home run or whoever did um, to come. We were up by like four. So then I'm like, so then I'm, I'm sprinting out there. Didn't know the camera guy was behind me. I really wish I would have done because if we all know Deion Sanders prime time, you know, like mm. that for the older guys, I would have looked back at him and kind of gave him a little wave. But then I looked at, as soon as I got to the infield dirt, Sanderval got it. Hey, get out of the way guys, get out of the way. So I'm like, I'm going to do it here. And I slid. Bochi looked at me and just went, Oh shit. I got two of you because he had Brian Wilson, you know, the freak uh-huh. back then. Yep. So, um, Molina started laughing. Sanderball was the only one that knew I was going to do this. And, and it was just to kind of bring fun and joke back to the game. And the best part about it, or the worst part, actually the best part. So when I retired in 15, um, you know, like people would, you know, you know, oh, hey, you're Heath Bell in the 16 or what, 17. And they're like, hey, you're the guy that slid at the All-Star game. And at first, I was kind of took offense to it because I was like, you know, I was actually a good pitcher, too. Don't you remember me <laughs> pitching? And, uh, and But then after time went on, I kind of embraced it. And I've slid at Little League games or whatnot or, like, you know, opening days or some high school. Um, so I'm known as, you know, the All-Star slide guy where I think nobody would remember who I was mm. if I just didn't do something like that. Now, I was just doing it for fun. And embracing, um, you know, like the Padres, we like to have a good time, but we're serious in between the lines. And this was, you know, I, it wasn't like a gimmick. It was just something I wanted to have some fun. And we were talking about it in San Diego with my bullpen. Hey, what should we do? And Anthony Bass, that's actually pitching still with the Marlins. Yeah. Um, I was talking to him and I noticed the back of his shirt. And in the movie, Angels, um, um, Angels in the Outfield. The uh-huh. Disney movie. Yeah. There was actually a pitcher that slid with the mound. He wasn't a very good pitcher, but his last name was Bass. And it kind of registered me because my kids were watching it like a couple weeks earlier. And I go, I should slide. And they were just busted up. They're like, what? So, and I, that's just kind of what happened and just kind of evolved that way. And um, I never knew a camera guy was behind me, but that was kind of funny. I didn't know about that until like one o'clock in the morning when my dad was like, yeah, that camera guy couldn't catch you. I was like, what camera guy? So, um, but it's, it's kind of fun now where I play and it's sometimes in a men's, uh, 30 and over league and, um, 
they ask me to slide sometimes and occasionally I do. And sometimes I don't. So it's, you know, it's kind of like, it's, I guess it's my thing now, I guess. Yeah. The camera totally could not catch up with you. And have you heard Joe Buck's call during that moment? Um, maybe I don't remember it. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't seem too enthusiastic about it. It was, I was watching that back a couple of days ago. I was like, you'd think that he'd be in on the into this, you know, and cause it's something unique. Uh, it didn't seem like that, but it's, it was a younger Joe Bucks. So maybe that was why. Um, yeah, maybe. All right. You great teammates. Obviously one of them was Agon. What was it like, you know, when he was hitting 40 home runs uh, in 2009, like he was on fire that year. You know, it's just, um, I've been very blessed to play with a lot of future Hall of Famers. And, you know, he just, to watch somebody have an amazing season like that was just, you kind of knew he, you know, it's kind of like Eric Hosmer this year and Machado. You just kind of know they're going to get a hit or mm-hmm. a big hit. So it's, it was just amazing to watch. It really was. And then with Khalil Green, him and, yeah, him and you were my two probably favorites growing up as a little kid, like through Little League and all that. Um, I think my first Padre jersey was like a really small number three Khalil Green jersey. Um, my question was obviously his career, and you don't have to answer it if you don't want to, but my question was about Khalil Green and obviously the social anxi- anxiety disorder that he had. Did you see any of that in the clubhouse or sense anything like that when he was with the Padres? No, actually, Cleo was a really good guy. But the thing is, like, he was um, very quiet. Like, uh, mm-hmm. he, um, if you didn't say hello to him, he wouldn't say hello. Um, he's one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Um, but, you know, I would say, you know, like, hey, good, you know, good morning, Cleo or Greeny or whatnot. And he'd say, hey, good morning. And that was kind of our conversation unless I asked him a question. And then we would, you know, we'd have a conversation. So it. I don't know what happened. I think he was very comfortable in San Diego with everybody. And then it just kind of escalated when he, he got traded to St. Louis. He didn't know everybody. And cause you know, the Padres drafted him, and it was kind of his team and his, the organization was, you know, everything he knew. And then all of a sudden it was brand new somewhere else. And I think that might've made things worse. And we didn't know about San Diego cause he was feeling really comfortable with everybody. So um, it was very shocking, but kind of not surprising because he was just quiet, yeah. you know, but he was, he wasn't quiet as in, if you asked him a question or you couldn't talk to him, you could easily talk to him. You could easily, you ask him a question, he'd answer it. If you ask him, you know, he just wouldn't be like, unless he needed something for me, he wouldn't come up to me. Mm-hmm. You know, if he had to ask me a question or we're talking about some pick plays, you know, he'd easily come and talk to me, but if it was just something like, Hey, you want to go have um, a bite to eat or something? He didn't do that. So it was just, um, you know, I, I feel for him. I hope he's doing well. I, I don't know what he's doing right now. And I heard before I came to San Diego, he actually writes lyrics and he's mm. actually a good rapper. So um, the funny part is Trevor Hoffman told me the story that when he first got called up in spring training, you know, American Idol was like the biggest thing. And, uh, so what he what they did is all the rookies they had made them do like an American Idol something or whatnot in spring training, and um, 
he wrote this rap about everybody and everybody's like, this kid's going to be fun. He's going to be exciting, you know, blah, blah, blah. Cause his talent was unbelievable on the baseball field. And like he, they all said the rest of the season, he didn't really say another word unless you talked to him. So um, anyway, you know, I wish, I wish Cleo the best. I don't know what he's up to right now, but yeah, he's, he was an amazing talent that just, you know, got the anxiety, got the best of him, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, about Trevor and Jake Peavy, what, what did you learn? What is like a main piece of advice or something that they gave to you, you know, when you were with the Padres? Well, Trevor Hoffman, you know, he's the, all, um, like just being professional and, you know, keep your routines down and all this. And, um, and that's pretty much what Trevor taught me. I mean, little teeny things, but they're all kind of cored up into that. Jake, you know, enjoy yourself, have some fun and enjoy the moment. Um, you know, Jake, I feel like Jake was always doing that. So, um, you know, it's interesting with Trevor, you know, his kids were in the locker room and I have older kids too, even though we're different in age wise. And, um, you know, to see his kids like driving and possibly playing pro ball now, it's, it's kind of for real, but, uh, it, those two guys were amazing talents, you know, Trevor Hoffman, Hall of Famer, and Jake Peavy, you know, is on the cusp or whatnot, but he was an amazing Padre. He probably definitely should be in the Hall of Fame with the Padres. So, um, yeah, you know, those are I'm, the next couple of days. I'm probably going to think of major stories because I haven't thought about those guys in probably a while now. So, uh, yeah, bring some good back, some good memories and good friendships. Did you take some of Jake's, I don't know, like really big intensity on the mound with you on the mound or was that always with you? That was always with me. It just kind of escalated and got more and more. Cause, um, my nickname was in college was taco because it actually was taco bell. Cause there was actually a taco bell near Santa Ana community college. And, um, it was mostly a Hispanic school. So, and I was the, one of the few white guys on the team. So it was kind of funny, but, um, and then it kind of shortened to taco. And then my mom goes, you come in at crunch time, you're kind of like a raging bull. And then when I got into pro ball, it was heater because, you know, I, was, I threw heat, but I always had that intensity. And like, once again, you know, Trevor kind of taught me be serious between the lines, but when you're off, off the field, have as much as fun as possible. Cause like all the antics that he used to do in um, the bullpen, stuff like that. So the same thing happened. You know, I tried to kind of emulate him a little bit, but, I was kind of my own guy on the on the pitching mound. You were talking about Jake and uh, you know being in the Padres Hall of Fame, or he should be. What do you about What do you think about the number forty four when Musgrove's done? Do you think that should be retired based on what Jake and then Musgrove, what he's done and potentially what he could do if he obviously stays with the Padres? Um, you know, it's it's one of those things that. Yeah, I I like numbers that are retired that only one guy used not okay. multiple guys um so that's why it's like you know i think jake's number should be like maybe thought about going 40 you know being retired and maybe muscular not getting it because of that but you know it's hard because like here's the thing let's say Musgrove ends up being a padre and you know does great for the padres and has a great legacy this generation is going to know 44 is you know him my generation is going to know jake Peavy. so who what number was really retired? Are we going to put 44 twice? Right. So I just think it's, 
it's kind of hard when they just throw numbers at people for what reasons and they they should have a long term like thinking this number might be retired so we can't give it away just yet you know right. whatnot so i think organizations need to be a little bit more concerned and um thoughtful in that aspect so because it's going to be hard you know 10 years from now is anybody going to remember jake Peavy? you know or 20 years from now they're going to remember 44 as musgrove right so it's just it's one of those things i feel like there's so many numbers you could have a number retired for one person and not have two Mm -hmm. yeah all right what about your funny who's your funniest teammate on the padres that you had uh brian brian giles probably the funniest guy I've ever been to have around his, in the locker room or whatnot. I, him, um, or, uh, Mike Cameron, I think was pretty okay. funny too. So Mike Cameron, I had in New York and then in San Diego, he got traded in 06 and I got traded in 07 to, New, to San Diego. So, um, just fun guys, you know, Cliff Floyd comes to mind. But Brian Giles is probably the funniest guy I've ever met. And still to this day, when I see him, he's still as quirky and funny as he always have been. See, that's not, that's, that's an interesting one. That's not one that I would have immediately thought of because you obviously in the bullpen. What, what's, what happens in the bullpen there with those conversations during the game? Is it, you know, just waiting till, uh, you know, the sixth, seventh inning till, you know, you really start preparing and you're just, watching the well, game or is there jokes going on or what's going well, on there? Really in the first five innings is when stuff goes on, you know, especially cause we all think the star is going to go five plus innings. So the first really three to four innings is kind of way, if we're going to play a joke on somebody, if we're going to, you know, mess around, but like sometimes we would talk about conspiracy theories. Sometimes we talk, you know, sometimes somebody be really religious and, you know, we talk about like, the Bible, but it would be like, we just ask weird questions. And then the conspiracy theory, you'd ask weird you know, questions. Cause you know, there's seven guys, seven, eight guys down there. Everybody's a little bit different or sometimes what some going on in the news and we all just kind of talk about it. And we're all like private investigators trying to our spin on whatever's going on. Um, you know, mid season, we're usually, we're all GMs and we're talking about what trades we need to do or what other teams are doing or, who's going to get big money in the off season, usually not with our team, but usually with other guys or um, yeah, it pretty much anything goes down there. You know, it's not like uh, sometimes, you know, we're talking about the game and being really intense about certain guys or asking different scenarios or like, I remember Doug Brokell in 07 was in the bullpen. He was the veteran guy because Trevor was down there for the first inning or two and then would come back in the eighth and he would just tell stories about, old umpires or about what he did in Detroit when he was younger and a starter and things that went on or, you know, this and that. And, you know, there's just a lot of different stories that you probably, we really can't repeat. Come think about it. (laughs) There's probably some, there's many stories that we can't repeat. So uh, it's just every day is a different day. And it's what it's almost like you don't go down there and say, okay, guys, what are we going to talk about? It just kind of evolves, you know, Mm -hmm. There's, I would say there's only like 5% of the time that everybody's just kind of quiet and watching the game because somebody's talking about something or something happened in the locker room, something happened on the news, something happened in their life. As in like, I remember one time, Mike Adams, you know, I don't usually throw names out there, but it's kind of funny. He had a birthday. He turned 30. And the next day, 
He was like, man, I woke up today. My back hurt. My knees hurt. When you, as soon as you turn 30, this happens. And somebody goes, yeah, I'm 31. That happened to me last year. And the funny part, I was like 33. And I was like, now I actually feel better than I do than I did at 29. So it was just kind of funny. And it was like, really? But it's, you know, I think that's mostly in your head, but it's just one of those things. But then as you get older, you think about it. When you get up from a chair, when you get older, you're like, Ugh. and when you're in your 20s, you just kind of get up. And I'm like, uh. how does, why do people do that? So, but then we just, it's like I said, it just evolves. Thing happens. So, yeah. All right, before we get out of here, this kind of just popped in my head. Ted Leitner is going to be inducted into the Padres Hall of Fame this summer. Do you have any thoughts on him and any memories that you've had with him, maybe on team planes or anything like that? You know, not on team planes, but when he would announce and stuff, it was almost like, um, you know, that one guy that patent for uh, boxing back in the day, you know, what, what was his saying? It's, it's time to rumble or something yeah. like that. Yep. I kind of always, when I came to San Diego and saw Ted Leitner start talking and all that, he reminded me of that guy and just like, man, this guy's just, he's born to be like on the radio and to announce. Uh, he was just meant to do that. You know, the way he talks, the way he elaborates, it was just awesome. So yeah. anytime he got to, you know, he said your name or something. He wasn't just like, Keith Bell was great. He would go on this like long story and you're just like, oh yeah, I remember that. And it just, Every time he talked about you or about somebody that you knew, it brings a smile to your face. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that doesn't happen very often when people are talking. And when Ted talks about somebody and you talked about Trevor Hoffman or whoever, it would bring a smile to everybody that knows Trevor or myself right. or whoever he's talking about. And it's just kind of like he just makes everybody happy, I guess. And just a great um, guy. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. But I'm happy for him. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. This has been fun. Thank you so much for the time, Heath. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. And um, in a couple episodes and five more, if you need another co-host or <laughs> somebody just to jump on, that would be a great number. Yeah, definitely. All right. This has been episode 164, not 169, 164 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show for Ben Fadden, Heath Bell, and Yoda. So long, everyone. Thank you so much. See ya. <laughs> See ya.